I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Revelation, the first chapter. We're to use this particular passage as a, I call it a launching pad. We're going to get, I believe, the the context of what it is, but we're going to dive into some other things, and, and as we take a look at some very historical things today, I'm going to share... Uh, something to you from a passage that isn't very often preached on, all right? And, but beginning in Revelation chapter 1, and uh, we have it there on the screen if you would, please. It says this, and uh, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Now, how many of you know that the soon for God and soon for us is a little bit different? <laughs> days like a thousand years, right? All right, so anyway. But he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who, re- who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Say the time is near. Who wants to be blessed? All right, it means you have to have your ears open, right? Your eyes attentive and fixed upon him, the author and perfecter of our faith. So this is the letter, John. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and what? Who is to come. The king is coming, right? And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. Next, please. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And then he says this. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, I could just summarize a little bit of that particular passage. We find here the importance of us being able to to zero in on the fact that God is not done yet. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not done with you yet. (laughs) All right? But the enemy is trying to distract us. He's trying to detour us. He's trying to get us out of focus all right, with all the episodes and all the situations and the, the things that are happening in the world in which we live. But here he reminds us, he says, listen, this is not the end. You haven't seen the end yet. You see, there's more to take place. And when you look for me, then you will find me, right? When you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. He over and over again, we find ourselves living in this place of just kind of so consumed with the events of this life that we forget about why we're here and what we're really looking forward to. Well, all right, let, let, me, let me talk about that for a moment. You see, there is this place that's is going to happen or something's going to happen to each and every one of us. And while I'm not, you know, don't want to miss out on any of the life that God has for me, the Bible says that one day I will cease to exist here on earth. I will die. My breath will quit. uh, My lungs will quit working. My heart will quit working if the Lord tarries. And he says this. He says, blessed or blessed is those, right? The sight of the Lord is the home going of one of his saints. And we have a hard time getting our minds around that, don't we? 
The fact of the matter is that, you know what, we want to live as long as we can because that's all that we know. But isn't it also the, the task, isn't it also the, the goal that we have to be so in love with him, to be so cherishing his presence that we actually love him more than we love life itself? Now that's hard, especially as I held my little grand, my granddaughter this week. What an awesome bundle of joy that she was. And to think that, you know, I mean, you know, 1,500 miles away, you know, from her and, and to not be able to hold her again, I'd feel like I was missing out on something. But the fact of the matter is, is that it happens to different people in different ways. That life gives us some detours and, and we don't get to experience life and do some of the things that we had thought we were to do. And, you know, and if we don't have Jesus in our lives and we don't have this idea that the king is coming and that one day every tear will be dried up, all right, and one day death will be no more. If we don't have in our hearts and minds that, that you know what, all this sickness and all this mourning, it's going to be all done away with, then, you know what, it could be pretty morbid in the life that we live now. There's actually, there's actually teachings out there that says that, that uh, we will just be annihilated and that we'll cease to exist, that there's, there's no more after this. Well, I'm here to tell you today that today is not the end. Tomorrow, if you were to pass away here in this life, it is not the end for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, right? And it ought to be something that we get excited about, right? You see, the world will look and the world will mourn. The world will wonder, what in the world would you get excited about? Listen, when someone has lived their whole lives, and I'm talking to saints who have lived their whole lives under Jesus, and they're looking forward to his return, or they're looking forward to the day in which they get to go and be with him forever, when all the suffering and the aches and the heartache that they've experienced is done, and they know that they've finished the fight, all right? They've fought the fight, right? They've, they've kept the faith, and there they stand before Jesus Christ. And he gets, says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we all want to hear? I know it is what I want to hear. So, Lord Jesus, help us in these next few moments to be able to get a, a grasp on eternity. You are coming. This Christmas, Lord, we pray that you will come to people in a new and a fresh way. That there will be a realization that will happen within individuals' lives. That they will change from living in a temporary mindset to living in an internal mindset. Thank you, Lord, for helping us and helping us to realize because you came. And because this prophetic, this prophecy of you coming uh, was told hundreds of years before. Lord, that, we, that, that, that the event actually took place and now we stand ours and, on this other side of it waiting for the prophecy to be fulfilled upon your return to earth a second time. So Lord, thank you. Move in our lives, we pray. Help us to be everything you anticipated us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Today in this series, we're gonna be constantly talking about uh, how the king is coming. But I want to give you a subject matter here today that says, it talks about his rights give you your rights. His rights, right, give us rights. Now, you don't have any rights otherwise. Some people, you know, they, we, we live in this land where there's freedom, right? And, and, and we talk about these inalienable rights. But I want to let you know something, all right? The rights that you think that you have, Sometimes when you have a right-of-way at an intersection, how many, how many of you know that if someone else doesn't perceive that you have that right-of-way, you don't really have the right-of-way? 
<laughs> you could be right, but yours is going to be seriously wrong if you assume that everybody else is going to give a right away to you. Right? I know I'm overusing that word, but I want you to get this, all right? It's important for you to understand, all right, that, that God has given, for, given and made available to us certain rights as a result of us living for him. He gives you your rights. You don't have rights just because you exist. You get rights because of what he's accomplished. And that's what we're going to dive into here uh, this morning. So we're going to do that this morning by reading a subject matter in Scripture that some of us actually don't probably spend too much time on, all right? And it's called the genealogies. How many of you ever read the genealogies before? And you look at those and you say, all right, what's that for? <laughs> All right, I'm not going to memorize this. This is not any pop quiz that anybody will ever give me as far as who beget who, right? If you're reading from the King James Version. But let's go ahead and, and, and take a look at the significance. How many of you know that God's got a reason behind everything? He didn't put it there because it didn't bear witness or it didn't, it didn't serve a purpose. There's some reasons for it. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to read a little bit of this, all right? 17 verses, actually. And, and, and I want you just to kind of feel a little bit of the movement that happens here. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, all right? That's the way it goes. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, all right? Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Mm -hmm. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, 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 okay, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jerome, all right, Jehoram, there we go, thank you, Sue. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, Jeconiah, all right, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. What do we see here in these particular passages? We're going to take a moment, we're going to look at four different things that we see here, I think, that are really important. Now, what we find here in the genealogies is, is these, these are also recorded there in, in Luke, okay, but not in Mark or in John and the other Gospels. But there's reasons that they're there, and there's also, they, they come at it from a little bit different angle than what the other comes at it. So we're just going to dig into the ones about Matthew right now and see how important it was that these things would be recorded for us that we would actually see the reason as far as why this, this, the genealogies are important, all right? Now, the first thing that you need to understand is how important history is to the Jewish people. The Jewish people don't get rid of history. They don't disregard it. They see history as something that, that marks and depicts things for them that give them certain rights. Now, we think that we have some rights, and we certainly do as American citizens, but the rights that we have are because of what someone else has done for us as well. 
You get that? The right that you have is because someone else paid a price for you. Someone else gave or was willing to give up their life so that you could have the freedom that you have here today. But I want you to know that what is happening in Matthew's primary purpose in writing these, these, uh, these genealogies, or I think inspired by the Holy Spirit, is to help to establish Jesus' right as the king of the nation of Israel. He's the king. Jews, how many of you know, they, they, they take it very seriously about who's going to be the next king. And Jesus very much, God very much wants to show everybody here that he's a God of order. And he just doesn't put things into place and he's not just uh, kind of just uh, coming up with it as he goes, all right? He basically has a, a thought process about it. And so he began this gospel, Matthew began it, talking about this, this, uh, the kingship of, of Jesus, all right? And really, when you understand it, Jewish people understand the importance of this uh, genealogy because it helps to establish property rights, now, any, we, we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about this nation of Israel. And we said, how big is it? Does anyone remember in relation to Michigan? It is no bigger than the size of New Jersey. Okay, we said in relation to Michigan, though. All right? <laughs> so Michigan is it's like half the size of the Upper Peninsula. Half the size of the Upper Peninsula. Now, who would think that every, the whole world's attention would be around this particular nation? Well, guess what? God did. Who would have thought that anyone would be concerned about that? Because out of this little nation, God's going to do something miraculous. He's going to raise up the Savior of the world. This one that we read about in Revelation with some of the things that are yet to come, this is the one in whom this, this uh, genealogy is helping to establish how he got to us and, how, and why we should receive him as the king of kings, all right? So there's certain property rights. There's certain vocational rights that happen as a result of one's ancestry, as a, as a result, okay? We understand that the descendants of Levites, they could only serve as priests. And David's descendants could only serve as kings, all right? Well, Jesus, of course, is the king of kings. And it's important for us to, to note that that. How many of you know what took place in 70 A.D.? Does anyone know what took place in 70 A.D.? Yes. The fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of something very important, the temple. And in this temple was all kinds of records, yeah, genealogies and such that would show. And so now the current Jews who still don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, have no way to verify if this Messiah shows up that he actually has the right by way of genealogy to be the king of kings. Pretty interesting, isn't it? All the more reason for why the Jesus that we serve today, it's solidified, it's known, we can see it. It's not, it's not the only thing. There's so many things that show that Jesus is the one who was the picture of all of those, those prophetic words that was given all those years ago. He is the one that was, was told was going to come and, and everything that happened around his birth and, and that we see happening around the Christmas story, those things are prophecy being fulfilled. At Christmas time, the king is coming. Jesus Christ is the last verifiable claimant to the throne of David, and therefore the messianic line, and, and it's so important for us to realize that. Now, it's important for us also to realize that uh, why we have our rights and what's actually happening with our rights. 
Anybody ever hear this word grace? <laughs> yeah, a few weeks ago we talked about that, dialed it down or dialed into it a little bit more. We talked about how important it is for us to have grace. And we've talked about the acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense, and, and how important it is that we would receive gifts, right? That's what grace is, the gift of God. Now, we've determined that none of us are deserving of it. Anybody in here perfect? <laughs> none of us are perfect, right? All of us have all kinds of problems, and about the moment that we think that we are perfect, that's when everything starts showing up, right, that we're not. Uh, it's, it's amazing, you know, how pride will, will cause for people to, to fall down, and there was this, uh, it, I know it's a little graphic, but I, it, it, you know, God has a way of just evening some things out and bringing some people to, down to a place where they need to be, right? Anybody see the end of the old, uh, old Miss or Mississippi State game? Yeah, where well, this one cocky kid got all excited because he thought that he, was, uh, he scored the touchdown that was going to tie up the game and, you know, and they're going to do And he done something very disrespectful in the end zone to his opponent. He went in there, and I just want to tell you about it, okay, because and, and, we're all, you know, old and he went in there and acted like he was a dog peeing in their particular area the end zone all right cocked his leg up there now while extra points are not a given they're pretty regular but not in this particular case the score was 21-20 after that touchdown they needed to get one more point in order to be able to tie the game and because of this cocky, arrogant action of a young man who had to come back and has apologized, I don't think he should be crucified for it, but it's an illustrative point to us about how some things that we do and the decisions that we make take us away from the very blessings and the favor that God has for us. And so because of the penalty that came to them as a result of that, it took them back further than just the little chip shot that it should have been and became much more of a, of a shot that needed to be made and much more pressure upon that kicker. There's all kinds of things that we've come up with as far as reasons that we would say for those things. But here's what I'm trying to say to you today is that God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. He has grace and the gift that has been given to us. And if we don't take and respect and honor the gift that has been given to us, then, and, and we become arrogant and we think that we've arrived and we've got what we've got because of all of our goodness, watch out. Watch out because in that moment when you're all arrogant, it all could be taken away. It all. You see, there are certain rights that you have because of the grace of God that we see in this genealogy demonstrated in the choice of one woman. That's our first point here today. I want to talk to you about the demonstrated in the choice of one woman. In Matthew 1, 16, it says this, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Who's the woman I'm talking about? Mary, right? Mary was that woman. You have certain rights because of the grace of God that was bestowed upon Mary. Now Mary, unlike what the Catholic Church promotes, is not the giver of grace. She is the recipient of grace. How many of you say, thank you, Lord? 
All right? She's not the problem solver. She is the object of the gift that was given. And Jesus says that, you know what? I want to do a whole lot more gift giving to my people. I want to be operating through them so that they can be giving birth, spiritual birth to other people. So that they can be image bearers of my, of everything that I, that I am in the world in which I want to be, to create. He had a picture for us, church. A picture that he was so bold about before the word church was ever even used. Jesus in Matthew 16 says, and I am going to build my what? My church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Nowhere else had the the church ever been called a church. But Jesus had a picture of a birthing moment. He had a picture of what was going to take place after the Holy Spirit was being poured out. And he saw a gathering together of people who were so consumed with getting this message out about his grace, about this gift, about this undeserving merit that you will get to receive as a result of what? Of grace being bestowed upon Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I think it's awesome that a young lady like this, this miracle would take place and she would submit to it and she would say, Lord, let it be. When the angel came and gave her the news and talked about whatever's going to take place and, and you are with a child. And she's thinking and saying, how? How in the world could I be with a child? I've never been with anyone before. She ponders those things for a moment and then finds out and she says, you know what? But Lord, whatever it is that you want to happen, I am your servant. Go ahead and use me. She's definitely devout. She was faithful to God. And we find that she says, she, she, she just, is, just is there. How many of you in those moments would still be, you know, kind of like turning over and spinning circles and all those kinds of things. I mean, there's around, you would just be saying no as you think about everything that could go wrong with this particular situation. Huh? You know, some of us, we want for good things to happen, all right? We even want God to use us. But I want to let you know something. The ones that God are using today are the ones who's willing to pray the price and pay the price. It's both things, all right? No, it's not because you work, all right, and your good works is what uh, it gets God to move in a favor upon you, but it is what limits, all right, what the enemy will bring against you and his ability to be able to bring things against you because you don't care. You don't care what the enemy could do to you because you have a greater mission. You have a greater purpose. Listen, the only way in which someone could be willing to go lay down their life for you is that they care more about what is going to come after that fact, after that moment, than what they care in that given moment. I wonder how many of us are living our lives and wondering and saying, Lord, this moment that's right here before me, even in light of all the joy that I can be feeling. You know, and, and we, we yonder more. We, we, we wonder and we want more of the moments, more of the joy than we actually want of what his will is for our lives. What if God's will for your life, all right? Now listen to me all the way, all right? But if it wasn't exactly the way that, you know, other people get to live. See, this is a word in American culture, and it's, a, and it's very common in, 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 in toddlers and adolescents growing up, and they'll use this word about, and they'll say, you know, when, when something doesn't go the way in what they want, what will they say? That's not fair. So this helps me know if you're kind of going with me, all right? That's all right. You see, that's not fair. How many of you know that, yeah, life is not fair? But the thing is, is that God's not looking to be 
fair, all right? But he's looking to be just. And the justice that he has administered to you and me, he says that all of you were doomed and destined for death. But guess what? I'm coming back because of what I've done. And I've operated through the people who are receiving the gifts of grace that I have given to them. And Mary is an example. Say example. She's an example of what happens when people say, my life is not my own. I don't care what everybody else will say. I don't care about the persecution and the ridicule. I don't care about the unjust accusations. I don't care how difficult it is for other people to to believe me or give me another opportunity, another chance. Something happens with the individuals who say, you know what? My life is not my own. I've given it all over to God. Hmm. Miracles start to happen for individuals like that. You see, some of us are so afraid to step out into the unknown, into the uncharted territories, that we are actually causing a bottleneck to take place and, 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 and making it difficult for, for other people who come after us, all right? Listen, I love the prosperity message in the sense that God is a giver to us all as far as whatever it is that we have need of, all right? But listen, he has not destined us all to be millionaires or billionaires, I'm thankful for the ones he has. Hello? I'm thankful for the blessing that we have sitting in this church whom God has blessed individuals to be caretakers of of finances and things because they can be blessings to other people. I'm not putting that down. I'm just trying to tell you that it is not the gamut. It is not the measurement of success. But the measurement of success is what is happening with the gift that God has given to you. What are you using your rights for? This right that God has given to you is to be a servant of his, a missionary for him. And Mary was that person. Mary needed God's grace. She needed God's salvation because she was a sinner just like every other human being. And I'm telling you that it isn't over with Mary. It wasn't supposed to be over with Mary. She was one person whom the grace of God was imparted to through this immaculate conception, okay? We understand that. But the thing is that God wants to have an an immaculate conception in you, something that you didn't have anything to do with. There's no other giver. There's no other seed that's been given, but you are this person to whom has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and he's coming into your life and he's wanting to illuminate himself through you, right? And this miracle is supposed to take place and out of you is supposed to flow rivers of living water. How? You were dead before. But he took all that stale water and made it come to life. Amen? Amen. The second thing I want us to see from these genealogies, and and it's pointed out here, it says, we receive our rights because of the grace of God demonstrated in the choice of two men. Two men, all right. Who are those two men? Anyone think of who they are? We're going to see it right here in the text. It says, so in Matthew 1.1, it says, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of what? David and the son of Abraham. Two significant men we find in this genealogy. Why is it significant? Why is it important that they, that they are pointed out? Why is it, you know, that, that, that we get to see this, this, uh, this, this passing down? Because both David and Abraham were sinners, were they not? All right? Yeah, and yet by the grace of God, by the grace of God, they too were able to be this recipients of the work of Christ. 
Now, the reason for us to highlight David and Abraham is because of the covenant that was given to each of them. Matthew begins and he notes, he says here, it is the son of David. The significance of mentioning David is that God promised David an eternal kingdom, right? He promised him. He said, God, he said, David, you will have a descendant that will rule forever. Someone from your lineage, someone from your genealogy will rule forever. Look at it in 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 16. It says, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. It's so important for us to realize that. Forever. How many of you know that God is good to his promises? He is absolutely good. And, and he's made this promise uh, to David. He also made this promise to Abraham. In Genesis 17, 7, he says this. He says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. You see, in this genealogy that we just read that we want to pass over and just like get to the meat of things, God is saying, I want you to see how I'm a God of order. I want you to see that, that what I have told you is going to take place is actually going to become a reality. You see, what you started out with in this passage in, in Revelation chapter 1, we find that it's going to become a reality because of what happened in Matthew, because of what was told in 2 Samuel, because of the promises here to, to both uh, David and to Abraham. These men received the grace of God in their life. And as a result of that, you and I get to be the beneficiaries. When we think of beneficiaries, you think of something of substance, right? How many of you like to be the beneficiaries? You like to have your name written there, okay? Someone's lived their life and all kinds of assets are built up in some, some long-lost aunt or something like that. And, and they, they, someone shows up and says, oh, by the way, we, we're giving you some news today. You are the beneficiary of the estate, the assets of so-and-so. It's like, hmm. Wow. I want you to understand something. There are some assets that are out of this world that God has made each and every one of us the beneficiaries of. And he's showing us, he's saying, listen, I made a promise to David. I made a promise to Abraham. And I said that I will make sure that some of their descendants are upon the throne forever. And I am good to my promises. All right? Third thing is this. We receive our rights because of the grace of, that God demonstrated through the history of three time frames. In this particular genealogy in Matthews, we find that these are broken down into three different time periods as he talks about it. And you could know or you should know that, that there's, it's broken down into 14. There's different 14 different um, uh, so-and-so beget so-and-so and gave birth to, to so-and-so. And it's important for you to realize that they did that probably for memorizational purposes, okay? All right? But it was recorded for us and recorded for the Jews so that they could understand the importance of uh, these, these generations. So Matthew Henry, some of you have heard of him before, he, he wrote this commentary that lots of people refer to on a regular basis. And he said this, he says, in the first 14, we have the family of David rising and looking forth as the morning." In the second, we have it flourishing in its meridian luster. And in the third, we have it declining and growing less and less, dwindling into the family of a poor carpenter, and then Christ shines forth out of the glory of his people's Israel. Out of his people Israel. In, the, in the beginning, we have the promise of the, of the seed coming forth. 
Then we go through the middle part and you have all of the challenges. You have the Israelites who are living and, and we find over and over again where they did evil in the sight of the Lord, right? And then when they had a good king, they did right in the sight of the Lord. And then after a period of time, they would just kind of fall off the bandwagon again. And then they finally got to the point where they fell off the bandwagon so much so that they lost their nation. They lost their, and they were sent out into captivity. And then out of that particular place, the descendants then are recorded again in that last uh, time frame and shows that Jesus came from a very lowly position. One not expected by the rest of the world at all. It's one of the reasons that God says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? We find it so interesting here that, 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 that these things are done and we're like, wow, why is it? Why is it that God will take those lowly things and, and, and cause for good things to happen for them? Can anybody think of that for a moment? Anyone think about why in the world would God want to take the nation Israel and allow it for it to become so low that then he would raise up this Messiah so that they could not take any credit for it of themselves. Now certainly there was a right. He didn't want to take away the right. To the Jews, Jesus is the rightly heir, all right? And it was important to point these things out. But it doesn't matter what they were going through. It doesn't matter even the, the things that they have done that was wrong. God is going to find a way if there will be somebody who will respond at whatever place and say, I remember my word. I remember my promise. And I'm going to fulfill that. I'm going to see that happen even through all these time frames. It's important for us to realize that, that you know, there's, there's going to be things that's going to happen in your life that it's going to start out one particular way. And if you try to put um, a time frame on when you have to have everything come together and it doesn't happen in the time frame in which you want, <laughs> and you live your life that way, and say, well, I'm so-and-so, I'm so old right now. There's more, I should be more uh, set, I should be more satisfied, I should be more content, I should be more complete. But, you know, by this time in my life, listen, you're talking about serving the one to whom there is no limit of age, right? The one who lives forever. When he talks about forever, he had you in mind because he created you to be eternal. He, I mean, to be, to, be, to be everlasting yourself. He wanted you. He, he put things in place where a tree of life would be given so that we ourselves could be able to live forever. The only reason we would never live forever is because of our own choosing. The fourth and final thing is this. We receive our rights because of the grace of God. They demonstrated through the inclusion of four outcasts. We pause at probably every single one of those, those, um, those places in the genealogy when we're reading it. And those names started to come to your mind. You're like, Rahab? Who was Rahab? Wasn't she the one that was a, a prostitute and a Gentile? Yeah. Let's see here, Matthew chapter 1, verse 3 and 6. We'll reread it again. It says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, uh, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of the king David. 
David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. I don't know about you, but there's a whole lot of um, uh, daytime soap drama right there. (laughs) If you need a fix, all you got to do is dig into the historical events that are represented by those particular names right there. And you'll say, are you kidding Sit on the edge of your seat reading your books and wondering, and what happened next? <laughs> Why is it that even some of these, these shows that we all watch at some point or another, you, listen, I'm going to get off the daytime soap operas, okay, and let you know that they're the nighttime ones as well that we all kind of get fixed on. They just don't happen as frequently, all right? But you're waiting for the next scene. Why is it that these things catch on to us? Because they resonate many times and some of the ideas and the fantasies and the things that we have going on in our own lives. And these inquiry minds want to know. You're like, no, I'm not ever caught by any of them. I, I, I'm sure that I could talk with some of you, and some of you have a favorite show or a favorite book or something that you're watching, reading, or wanting to listen to because you're wanting to find out what happens next. Guess what? Today, I started out with telling you what happens next and that is that Jesus is coming Jesus is coming you may have had a hard time believing it but I'm telling you the genealogy that I'm sharing with you right now is the proof that God is faithful to his word he had a plan from the beginning and he will carry it out all the way until the end and the thing is that he had us in mind let me just dig into this just for a moment. I, mean, I, I kind of gave you a little bit of the, the nutshell version here. But, but these four women that are mentioned here, they represent sinners who are saved by grace. They represent people whom didn't deserve it. They were Gentiles, and, uh, three of them at least, and then probably the fourth uh, was because of, of whom they, they were married, all right? And, and Ruth, who had, uh, was a Moabite, first married to an Israelite named Malon, and even though that was a violation of Jewish law back then, how many of you have ever violated God's law before? <laughs> Every single one of us. And yet God looks at you with the hope that he can still put within you something that you don't deserve so that a miracle can come forth out of your life. Are you thankful for that? Do you realize that that's what his his object is? Do you realize what he wants to do? And he gives us these examples here in this genealogy because he wants us to know, listen, you may not feel like you're from the right lineage. You may not feel like like you you grew up on the right side of the tracks. You may not feel like uh, he can look past all of those poor decisions and such that you've made. But I'm here to tell you today that these genealogies show us that people made poor decisions. They did things that was outside of the will of God. But God does not quit on his promises. God does not quit upon you. And he's looking to try to do something in you if you will just let him. And if you'll let go of the past and look forward to the future, then he can begin to do these things. Listen, it's difficult. It's difficult 
But you've got to understand, you've got to get your mind around this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, Paul says this, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What in the world does it mean to be a co-heir or a joint heir? I want to tell you that because guess what? The Bible says that all authority has been given to him. All authority and everything here upon the earth is his. And if, if we are joint heirs and if we're co-heirs with that, guess what? Then that is yours as well. Yours well. His rights give you your rights. You have rights because of what he's accomplished. Don't let the enemy tell you anything different. Don't let someone come into your life and say, you know what? You've really messed up too much this time. I don't know how God's going to get you out of that. Well, they could say that because they may not know. But listen, some of them say it thinking that God can't get you out. I'm telling you here today that no matter who you're talking to or no matter what you've done, that God has a way to bring restoration in your life. He shows it to us in the genealogies. God made us his children. He's given us full rights in his inheritance. We are his beneficiaries. He is appointed. He's been appointed heir of all things. And then he says, oh yeah, and you're my joint heirs. Now listen, that part that I read about his sufferings, it's real. Don't expect that you're going to get away from all this without suffering. Actually, he says, consider it a joy. What am I asking here today? What am I, what am I trying to share with you today? I'm trying to open up your mind so that you realize, yes, the king is coming, but i got to get ready for it. My flesh will constantly bombard me and come against me and try to get me to take the easy path. We'll just choose it by out of natural, right? Natural choice. All of us will. But how about doing something that's a little bit hard? Listen, it's easy to get on Facebook. I'm going to go there. It's easy to get on Facebook and just express your frustration that you have with all of the world and, and all of life and, and your family members and the ones in which you love and such like that. But it's hard to take those words back. Someone has told me, Pastor, that's what it's there for. Shouldn't I have a right to my own opinion? It helps me vent those things out. Facebook is just a modern-day rendition, all right, of, of in, in, in many things. Now, listen, uh, when we do use it wrong, of just gossiping a whole other way, only rather than just telling the ears that are just around you, we've dumped it on everybody else and all the rest of the world as far as the garbage. Here's the thing, though. I think you can be authentic. You can be real on Facebook. If you're having a hard time, it's a way to reach out and have people to pray for you. How about giving us the praise report of where God has done it? How about when you vented and you saw that it was wrong, you trashed somebody, that you're able to go back and you're able to correct that and say, I shouldn't have done that. I want the whole world that I just gave all this garbage to to realize I stepped over a line. What does it have to do with the genealogy? It has to do with us being able to recognize that we make those mistakes and, and we, the way in which God is going to rectify things in our lives, the way he's going to bring restoration is when we recognize that we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to be willing to suffer a little bit. Praise team, come on up here if you would, please. Some of you have um, seen the musical play Annie. 
How many of you have seen it before? Anyone see it before? Just a, only a few. Wow. Annie is a story of a little girl who was an orphan. And she is uh, able to move away from an orphanage into a place called the Warbucks Mansion. And it's an incredible change for her. She leaves behind at that particular time a, a spiteful, alcoholic caretaker and enters into a relationship with a caring father. She went from having no possessions to having a fortune at her disposal. Annie had experienced the hard knocks in life, but now she was getting to experience the brightness of the sunny tomorrows. You don't deserve it. Every single one of us were orphans in this world. Until Jesus looked and he said, no longer orphans. No longer enemies. The perspective in the world in which you live has been one that's made you think that you're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. You're just waiting for the next thing to go wrong. If something's going too right for too long, you're actually a little nervous. Because the world is... Put this thing in your mind that everything's just got to go bad all the time. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not fearful of bad. I'm not fearful of hard times. I'm confident that he who has begun a good work in me will keep working on me and bring me to completion. I'm confident that with all the mistakes that I make, if I will listen to him, he's got a way to come back and to get me back on the right path. To give me a hope so I can share the same story with somebody else. You know, the world is just waiting, waiting to see people, other people who will respond, people who will, who will be the testimony to what the possibilities of hope. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We're thankful, Lord, that you have given to us an opportunity by which we can come to you and we can say, Lord, we're not going to love this life so much that we fail to recognize the order that you set up for our lives. The path may not be the most glamorous, but Lord, we choose to live for you all the days of our life. Thank you for the plans. Thank you for being a God of order. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God took us as poor orphans in the world and made us part of this family. It's his right to do so. He's the king of kings. Will you make him the Lord of your life, the Lord of lords for you today? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and you may be here today. And you might say, Pastor, I, I know, I know that I know that I know that things are not the way in which they need to be in my life. I know I'm not living in a manner and way that shows that he is 
my king, my master. And I want that to change. Someone sitting here today and the enemy has convinced you you've messed up so many times that you don't want to be hypocritical. I don't think people want to be hypocritical, okay? And, it, and it's a hindrance to them because the enemy makes them think that they've got to be perfect. They've got to work it all out before they come to him. But that's not what the Bible says. While you were yet a sinner, that's when he gave his life for you. So, picking up your hand, lifting up your heart, opening up yourself one more time to just come after him. And if you fall after that, that's not, that's not the biggest failure. The biggest failure if you don't get back up again. If you don't let him pick you back up again. So there's some individuals here today that the enemy is really working over. And you sit here today and you don't have the hope of your salvation, but you want it. You want to be assured of your salvation today, right now. Lift up your hand right now. Say, I want to be assured. I want to be sure. Yes, I see that. I see that. God bless you. Two individuals we got here right now. Any more? Any more want to be sure? They want that hope. They, 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 to move from hope to be of faith right now in Jesus' name. Anyone else here today? Anyone else here? I want that hope. I want that assurance. God sees that hand. Guys, he sees those hands. He knows what's in your heart right now. And no matter how much of a goof up you've ever been in the past, he's looking at you with full of hope. Pray this prayer with me, everybody. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your gift of Jesus. That he would die a death that he did not deserve so I could have life eternal. Move in my life in Jesus' name. Amen. It's just a prayer of humility. It's a prayer that says, I need you. It's a prayer that says, Lord, build in me. Build in me something that will stand against the storms that will come. We pray right now, pray right now, church. Oh, we pray right now for the church in general. Not just this, uh, not a building, but a people right now. Begin to pray that we would be able to all stand until the end. Right now, in Jesus' name, that the, the, the weapons of the enemy will, will come to naught. That, the, that he won't be able to bring the confusion. He won't be able to bring the fear and the dismay. But, Lord, we'll become a force to be reckoned with. Lord, that we'll realize that we're just a real people serving a real God and making a real difference. Lord, that's what we want. We want to be a mission for you thank you for the plan thank you for the assurance that, that you just didn't let happenstance and life happen even the, the events that took place for Rahab God and for for Ruth and, and Lord th those events aren't things that you orchestrated it's things you work through you constantly working together for our good so thank you Lord for the rerouting thank you for the for the reworking of things so that we can bring glory and honor to you in Jesus' name.